beats out is there a really tiny, little, almost microscopic picture of Chap Lipman after his gallbladder operation? Uh-oh, uh, this one's really tough. Come on, I need an answer. Too bad, fellas. There's nothing like a live beats performance. <laughs> Heyo, welcome back to Thank Fucking God It's Friday. I'm Drew. And I'm Katie. And today we're going to talk about a show that is either racist or very progressive on race, depending on what article on the internet you are reading. I knew this was going to come up. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Doug, and I feel like the answer is neither, but people are going to write things one way or another. Yeah, I mean, they definitely used skin color a lot on the show, but I don't know that they necessarily called it out. So I was thinking it would be more progressive. Yeah, I was reading some interviews with the creator and basically he was saying like, they just told me I could use whatever colors I wanted. So I just did. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, you know, maybe there was some subconscious stuff going on there, but it seems like he just made things a bunch of different colors in Doug. Part of the misconception could be that Doug is very, very clearly white and doesn't really understand his new neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of things Doug doesn't understand. Very true. He seemed to struggle a lot in the episodes that we watched. Yeah. <laughs> there are actually a bunch of crazy theories that I want to get into later. All right. Can't wait. Should we uh, get into it now? Yeah, let's get into the show. Uh, we are... This is what, our third show now recording from afar? Yeah, yeah. Remotely recording, going over Zoom. Yeah, we're on almost the third month of quarantine, it feels like. Yeah, I mean, I just wrapped up two months. Okay, so slowly spiraling into insanity, but we're doing all right. Yeah, and now it's really warm here this weekend, and I feel like this is going to be the make-or-break moment for Seattle, because when it's sunny outside, that's when everybody's like, I need to experience this, and, you know, we'll see what happens. I like to go on a walk just around my neighborhood, just so I can be outside for a minute and not stare at my computer all day, and yesterday, I did my same normal walk. It's like just a one-mile, two-mile loop, and there were infinitely more people out there than before. And I was like, man, apparently all these people live together. <laughs> yeah, I passed a house on one of my walks the other day where there were clearly like six or seven people that were not quarantining together, plus a few kids. And they were just sitting on the porch drinking, which sounded great. It looked very fun. But at the same time, I was like, rule breakers. Unfortunately, I guess you know, stereotyping most of the people i see in large groups together are like either high school or college age kids uh yeah these were full-on adults i mean i know that my grandparents have no regard for staying at home they're just like well if it's our time it's our time oh man but you came over on friday but we did do social distancing yeah we we did not come within six feet of each other yeah, I had a tape measure so that I could actually make sure the chairs were far enough apart. I think they were like at least seven or eight feet apart. So, <laughs> yeah, it was nice to see another human being in the flesh. So totally. Let's get into Doug. All right. 
So Doug was a coming-of-age cartoon, or Nicktoon, that aired on Nickelodeon beginning on August 11th, 1991. And the show ran for four seasons on Nickelodeon before it moved to ABC's One Saturday Morning lineup in 1996, where it had an additional three seasons. And the show was originally created by Jim Jenkins. It was largely autobiographical and based on his childhood in Richmond, Virginia. And many of the characters are actually based on people that he knew in real life. Yeah, I saw some stuff about him that Doug, Patty, and Roger were all based off of like himself, the girl he had a crush on, and kid who was, I guess, his bully in middle school. Even the names were based on people he knew. Like I think Klotz, Roger Klotz, that last name was the name of the guy that character was based on. And I think Patty Mayonnaise was based on somebody or two people, one named Pam Mayo and one named Patty. At least change the names up, right? But I did read that he told all the people that he based a character on ahead of the show airing. I don't know if it was to get his con- their consent or to just like inform them, but at least he didn't just like do that and run with it. Yeah, that's nice of him. I mean, still, just change the names. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's just not that creative with names. I mean, the main character's name is Doug Funny. Well, his name was actually going to be Brian first. (laughs) Then they, I don't know, he didn't like the name Brian and he felt like Doug just was the most average name you could think of and come up with. So (laughs) he he chose Doug. Nice. So obviously the show centered around Doug Funny, who was voiced by Billy West. And later when the show moved to ABC, he was voiced by Tom McHugh. And he's an 11-year-old kid whose family moves to Bluffington. I think they move from Bloatsburg in the first episode. But he's pretty shy, extremely self-conscious, which makes him hesitant in real life. But his vivid imagination manifests in all these crazy daydreams where alter egos basically do everything that he wishes he could in real life, like escaping tricky situations by scaling buildings and using weaponry. (laughs) Do you have a list of all of his alter egos? Definitely not. Okay, I don't either, but I assume that you would. I remembered Quail Man and Smash Adams, and those were actually in the ones that we watched, but I know there's other ones. Oh, for sure. I mean, we watched four little episodes and there was some sort of daydream where he was a character in every single one of them. Yeah. But okay. so here's the thing that got me and I don't think I realized as a kid, because why would I? Doug's like acting out these daydreams in real life to the point that he gets himself into shit because he's like acting out the daydream. Yeah, (laughs) a little bit uh, Scrubs-esque. It is a little bit Scrubs-esque. <laughs> In fact, there is a theory that JD is just a grown-up Doug. Oh. Yeah, there's a conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I've got a page of 14 of the craziest Doug conspiracy fan theories. One of them is that JD from Scrubs is a grown-up Doug. The argument is that JD and Doug both share extreme daydreaming. None of their friends or family intercede to stop this. Both have extreme fears of failure and keep a diary. They share a love of blondes who are (laughs) overcompetitive. They both continually self-sabotage their love life. Both have a best friend of color. And both have dogs. Yeah. It continues. (laughs) Rowdy. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) It continues. So Doug Yancey funny. 
traumatized by his parents' divorce, gives up on his dreams of music and decides to go to medical school. His daydreaming and awkwardness follow him into adulthood. After falling out with Skeeter, he meets his new best friend, Turk, in med school. Wow. I mean, it kind of tracks. Yeah, I mean, he would have to change his name, but, you know. (laughs) Maybe it's another alter ego. He gave up being Doug Funny to be JD. Uh, So you mentioned his best friend, Mosquito Valentine, a.k.a. Skeeter, who is voiced by Fred Newman. And he's the one who basically shows Doug how things are done when he moves to Bluffington. He helps him be a little bit cooler and to fit in because, like I was saying earlier, he just doesn't know how things are done for some reason. Like, they don't make it sound like he is moving that far. But for some reason, Bluffington is like an alien world to him. It feels like he was homeschooled before this. And this is the first time he's met kids. (laughs) Yeah. And he develops a crush on Patty Mayonnaise, who is voiced by Constance Shulman, who watching this, I could only hear her as Yoga Jones from Orange is the New Black. Whereas when I watch Orange is the New Black, I can only hear Patty Mayonnaise. (laughs) Oh, see, I was definitely the same way. I could only hear her as her character from Orange is the New Black. Yeah. (laughs) And with Doug, all I could hear was Fry from Futurama. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, it's literally, I couldn't picture the voice as Doug. I could only picture it as Fry. <laughs> well, Patty Mayonnaise, she is sweet and smart, but like you said, she is a bit competitive. I remember the, we didn't watch any of these, but I remember like the baseball team ones and like Patty not being allowed on the team because she was a girl or maybe it was basketball. I forget, but she's not allowed on the team. So she starts her own and like beats the shit out of everybody. (laughs) I vaguely remember that. And then we have Doug's nemesis, Roger Klotz, who is also voiced by Billy West. He's older than the rest of his classmates because I guess he failed sixth grade twice. As a kid, it felt like Roger was like this super evil, like demon person. As an adult watching this, his voice is too similar to Doug's for me to differentiate. Oh. (laughs) It's just like Doug talking more nasally. Yeah. Well, it's funny because he's definitely like the bully character. And he does like make fun of Doug for, you know, being really uncool and gullible, things like that. But he certainly hangs out with them a lot more than you would think. (laughs) Right. And he gets invited to everything. It's like, why Why are they bringing this guy who they all seem to hate? And why is he always around? Well, let me tell you what. There's another th- fan theory for that. Okay. This one is that Roger has the hots for Doug. Oh, huh. Uh, a post on Read Too Deep explores Roger Klotz's personality to try and uncover why he's such a bully. In this case, the conclusion is reached that Roger is gay and is trying to repress his feelings for Doug, which is why he lashes out. This theory explains that his repeated trips to the vice principal's office are intentional. The vice principal is named Mr. Bone, and the principal is named Mr. Butt Savage. Oh, God. These aren't subtle messages coming from the writers. (laughs) Roger craves the presence of these two in his life, as they are the only two who understand what he truly is. Getting in trouble is a terrific beard for Roger's frequent visit to these cleverly named administrators. Wow. I mean, there is that theory about, you know, especially kids who are young, how they'll like pick on the person that they're interested in. So that would hold up. 
Yeah, and I mean, in the one one of the episodes we watched today, Roger seemed pretty upset when Doug wasn't going to go uh, to the concert. Yeah. So, who knows? <laughs> we'll have to think about that one. Yeah. Well, then we have Doug's sister, Judy, who's voiced by Becca Lish, and she's a drama queen, quite literally. She attends the Moody School for Artistically Talented Teenagers, and Doug is often embarrassed by her because she's always like swooning and being super dramatic. Oh, she's so dramatic. I love it. I love everything <laughs> about Judy. So Judy was supposed to be inspired from Shakespeare and named after the play um, Shakespeare's Sister by Virginia Woolf, where there was a Judith Shakespeare, I guess, in that. Oh, huh. So she's supposed to be like a Shakespeare. She often quotes Shakespeare and stuff. So Yeah, yeah. I've been watching the new season of Dead to Me, and one of the main characters is named Judy. So when she showed up on screen, I was just like, oh, yeah, I forgot that that was her name. <laughs> but basically, the show was very moralistic, which was a conscious decision by Jim Jenkins. I guess he was pretty religious, and so he sort of tried to layer that into the show, though not like super overtly. But basically, Doug's decision-making is all guided by his conscience. Essentially, every episode ends with him summing up what the moral of the story is in his journal. And when pitching episodes, the writers actually had to write what the moral would be at the top of the page. It was that important to him. Kind of like JD wrapping up the episode in Scrubs. Oh, yeah. When I first saw him writing in his journal, rewatching these, I also kind of thought of... Doogie Hauser. I never watched that. I only saw bits and pieces of it. It was kind of before my time, too, but I know enough about it. Yeah, I know that he, like, typed all his shit on a computer or something at the end, right? Yeah, he had, like, a computer diary. Yeah, okay. But speaking of writers, there were two notable ones. One was Mitchell Kriegman of Clarissa Explains It All and Will McRobb from The Adventures of Pete and Pete. I mean, you figure they're all just kind of working on the same lot, I guess. So that's basically what it sounded like from Wikipedia. I get a lot of information from Wikipedia. <laughs> it said there was a lot of cross pollination for other Nickelodeon shows. Yeah, that makes sense. Especially as you're like just starting to grow as a as a network. Yeah, definitely. At this time, I think they were really just starting to develop that programming that we know and love so well. Yeah, this was one of Nick's first three cartoons. Um, along with Ren and Stimpy and Rugrats. Oh, yeah. I mean, Billy West was also a voice on Ren and Stimpy. Exactly, yeah. That's probably, other than Doug, one of his more famous roles. Though I know he's like a completely ubiquitous voice actor. I do feel like Futurama's is the most famous one. Yeah, but I've never seen it, so I don't know. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't seen that one. I would have thought that that would be a show that's like up your alley. Yeah, maybe. I haven't really tried it. The only cartoon that is more recent that I watch is Bob's Burgers. One thing, so I mentioned Clarissa Explains It All, and when I was watching this show, I really was struck by how similar the intro credits are to Clarissa. Like, there's, for one thing, the do-do-do-do-do, instead of na-na-na-na-na, and they had the white screen that they were interacting with, characters going back and forth across that screen, and obviously... Doug gets written across the white background, just like Clarissa writes her name. Yeah. The voice actor, Fred Newman, who you said he was Skeeter? Yeah, Skeeter. And he also was Porkchop, Doug's dog. Okay. He uh, is responsible for the scatting in the theme song. 
Okay. There actually are a few nanas in the Doug intro. Like that? I think so, yeah. Okay. Because I was literally writing in my notes, I was like, do, 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 and then all of a sudden they started saying nana. <laughs> I mean, I definitely remembered this theme song. We talked about that in Clarissa, and like I knew this one beforehand. Okay, yeah. I would probably know the Clarissa one better than this, but I definitely know both. I tried very hard, and by very hard, I mean for like 15 minutes, which for me in quarantine is like an eternity to focus on one thing, (laughs) to find the show Bible for this, because I always try and find like the things that they had at the beginning. I couldn't find the entire thing, but I found some snippets. Okay. And two of those snippets are Doug and Skeeter's profiles from the show Bible. So Doug, I think you kind of mentioned some of these, but his hobbies, loves to doodle and daydream, keeps a journal, plays banjo, barnyard chess, which I don't know what the difference between chess and barnyard chess is. Maybe you can look it up while I keep going. (laughs) And air guitar to the beats. His profile, he's the central character of the series, highly impressionable kid who feels painfully average because he is. He is left-handed and often feels out in left field. He has an incredibly vivid imagination. Quotes. The things a guy has to go through to keep from being a loser. How did I get into this mess? He loves root beer, summer vacation, patty mayonnaise, cheese sandwiches. So you know they grew up poor. (laughs) Man o' Steel Man comics, which I'm guessing is like their Superman. (laughs) Man o' Steel. Yeah. Uh, Banana pizza, Smash Adams movies. He likes banana pizza because he and Patty were making a pizza in like Home Ec or something. And Roger accidentally like spilled a banana smoothie or something on it. And it was a banana pizza. And so he just liked it because he and Patty made it, I guess. (laughs) So I did look up barnyard chess. As far as I can tell, it's not a thing. The only thing that came up was a chessboard where the pieces were like barnyard animals. I bet that's it. (laughs) Skeeters are a little different. It's clear they wanted to make him seem eccentric. Hobbies. Listens to weird music. Wears strange clothes. Makes strange mouth noises. <laughs> His hobby is makes strange mouth noises. Doesn't he do like a honk honk thing? Honk honk. Yeah. Yeah. Skeeter reads a lot and is smart, but only makes average grades. He's hyperactive, has a very short attention span. He talks fast and goes off on many tangents in the course of one conversation. He's far from mellow, but he is easygoing and accepting. For example, if Doug decided to change his name to Moon Doggy, Skeeter might respond, cool, or no problem, Moon Doggy. <laughs> he wouldn't challenge Doug's rationale. I love that they put that as his profile. Yeah. <laughs> moon Doggy, that comes out of nowhere. Though there is a Seattle band called the Moon Doggies. What? What is that who we saw? Moon Dog? No. What did no, we see? No, we saw Moon Hooch. Moon Hooch. That's right. <laughs> I know we've talked about Moon Hooch on here before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right after. Doug was not the first sighting of Doug, though. Doug actually appeared... In a Florida grape juice commercial in 1989, before the show Doug came out. And it was also used as one of those commercial break things on the USA Network. Yes. So Doug was, he was actually pitched because of a book that Jim Jenkins had written. He wrote like a comic book, like single panel comics and stuff. And then an executive at Nickelodeon, Vanessa Coffey, she basically brought him in. And when he pitched it, they're like, yeah, let's do it. He said that she left in the meeting, like as he was talking and just walked out the door. But she went to like tell someone we're signing in. We're doing a pilot right now. Oh, well, yeah, the book got turned down by every major publisher. I saw that it was going to get picked up by Simon and Schuster and then they backed out. 
probably smart. I don't feel like it would work. That I mean, I don't know. Like Captain Underpants and those sorts of things kind of are similar to the way Doug is. So maybe. Yeah. Well, I think he definitely won out in this situation with a cartoon that all of us remember so fondly. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the episodes, there's just one or two other characters I wanted to talk about. Specifically, Mr. and Mrs. Dink, the neighbors who I remember more than I remember even like Skeeter and <laughs> and Roger and Patty, I think. I didn't remember them until they showed up in one of these episodes. And then I definitely did, but I just forgot that they existed. <laughs> I just thought Mr. Dink stuff was so cool when I was a kid. Like, I remember that and I was like, I know that you're supposed to think he's like this nerdy old dude who doesn't know anything or whatever, but I just thought his stuff was always so cool. Yeah, he makes all these inventions that have basically no logical purpose. Does he make them or does he order them? Oh, I maybe he orders them. I don't know. That's a good question. His name stands for Double Income No Kids. Right. <laughs> since he and his wife, who seems like she hates her life. Yeah, well, she later becomes the mayor of Bluffington. Yeah, she was just being like an oppressed housewife and she needed to get out there and do something. Yeah, That's all. She's just living with this guy. She literally can't stand him. <laughs> I know. She rolls her eyes every time he does anything. <laughs> well, do you want to get into the episodes? Yeah, so we did things a little bit differently this time because we're dealing with a cartoon. Each episode has two basically segments. And instead of doing two episodes this way, Drew chose four different segments across four different episodes. So the first one we're going to talk about is Doug's Doodle, which is the second cartoon from season one, episode 10, and it aired November 10th, 1991. Yeah. And since these are just half episodes, we're just going to do 30 seconds See if we can rushedly get through all of the information in there. Tell me when you're ready. I am ready. Three, two, one, go. Doug is already in a fantasy. He is Smash Adams and says, Danger is my middle name. Actually, Yancey is my middle name, but nickname is my... But my nickname is Danger. And he is doing this because he's trying to get the drawing that he drew of Mrs. Wingo back from her desk because he accidentally turned it in. And he goes through all these wild scenarios of trying to rescue himself. And eventually she puts the drawing into a notebook. And time. <laughs> I wasted a lot of time on that quote, but I just thought it was yeah. funny. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn, she spent 10 seconds on one thing. <laughs> it's okay. What I was going to say was that Mrs. Wingo finds the picture, he admits to it, and she puts it into a book of all the other pictures that were drawn of her, but he still gets in trouble. First of all, what is Ms. Wingo even doing? Is she teaching a class? There, why? There's nothing going on. I imagined that it was like reading time or I don't know, something like that. I guess. I mean, they had written an essay then she collects the essay. One of them was like finishing the essay, right? When it was getting turned in. Right. So like they had to have been writing an essay. So that part makes sense. But then she's just like grading them in front of them and nothing. She doesn't give them anything else to do. She's like, hmm, sit there. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not allowed to get up. Not even like stand up because Doug stands <laughs> up and she's like, what are you doing? Sit down. Yeah. This one had a lot of different fantasies in it too. Like 
there's definitely the Smash Adams part where one of his theories about how to get the drawing back from the pile of papers on her desk is to get her drunk. Smash. You know that stuff goes right to my head. Why didn't you ever tell me you were such a charming creature, Mrs. Wingo? Oh, Smash. You know Smash. I know. Don't say a word. Yeah, I wrote that. I was like, so Doug wants to get his teacher drunk and try to fuck her? That's what it felt like. (laughs) Yeah, they make Mrs. Wingo look like hotter and have like a better hairstyle and stuff like that. And he's like whining and dining her literally. And then he goes up and tries it. Like, yeah. <laughs> as himself, he's like, ooh, let me just get li- lingering, longering in your eyes. <laughs> Doug is also super tan when he's Smash Adams. Like, his skin gets real dark. Oh, <laughs> yeah. One of his other fantasies is that he could open the window and basically a tornado would come in and stir up the papers. And he thinks that this is a logical solution to his problem. He's like, if only I could get to the window. Right. The window that's like five feet away from him, but he runs into Roger and Roger steps on his foot. Uh, The assistant principal. Mr. Bone? Mm-hmm. Definitely. He's sp- definitely supposed to be Don Knotts, right? <laughs> I guess so. He does kind of look like him. He, like, talks like him. He looks like him. I definitely feel like he's supposed to be Don Knotts. Yeah. I did appreciate that there was a computer on Mrs. Wingo's desk that, you know, was the very dated now, but fine back then computer. The big CRT sitting on top of a cpu that was on the desk oh we still have like those computers have you do i mean they're newer versions but it's like the same kind of thing even the monitor looks like that at some schools yeah wow depends on how much money your school has dang doug's punishment at the end not bad honestly no he just has to clean the tops of the desks yeah I mean, he could have gotten in much worse. Honestly, Mrs. Wingo handled the whole situation better than she probably should have. I mean, Doug drew a drawing of her where she wasn't very flattering and was just like, you're not the only one. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, a lot of people think I look like those. (laughs) I've had kids draw pictures of me, but they're never like that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, not the ones that they give to me. Yeah. I'm sure the ones that they don't, you know. So, I mean, that's really that. That segment. It's that whole episode. Yep. I think most of it is basically the Smash Adams thing. Which, you know, James Bond knockoff, whatever. Yeah. I actually wrote James Bond at the top of my notes because I couldn't remember what the name of the character actually was. Uh, My first thing that I wrote actually was that Doug should get made fun of because he dresses like a damn nerd. (laughs) He's always wearing like those cargo shorts and he's got his shirt tucked into it and he's got like a t-shirt with a sweater vest over it. Yeah. No wonder Patty doesn't want to go out with him. <laughs> Definitely. And I forgot to say that when he's in that Smash Adams fantasy, Porkchop is right there with him, also dressed in a white suit. Well, of course, Porkchop's his best friend. Yep. Should we go to the next one? Sure. So this is Doug to the Rescue, which is the second cartoon from season one, episode seven, and it aired October 6th, 1991. So I think you're going to do 30 seconds this time. I am ready. All right. Three, two, one, go. Mrs. Wingo still is not teaching. She says it's study hall time. I don't think she ever teaches. They're working on a book report. It's a third of their entire grade for some reason. Roger wants Patty to write his. They get into a whole thing. They get sent to detention. 
Doug feels bad. He and Skeeter get sent to attention. Detention. Uh, Doug accidentally punches Roger in the nose. They get into a fight, but Doug pretends to be Quail Man, gives him the quail eye, and psychs Roger out and wins the fight. Wins. Hey, a win's a win. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think that Doug wrote in his journal in that last episode, but this one does start with him writing in it. No, the last one he was definitely just doodling. This one he's writing in his journal. Um, Mrs. Wingo is a terrible teacher. That's all I have to say. <laughs> she demands complete silence in her class. like, But then she doesn't seem to hear the two people talking at full volume right in front of her. She like <laughs> doesn't notice that Roger's on his knees in the aisle begging Patty to write his book report. And she's like, Patty... This is your fault. Yeah. I kind of wondered, you know how in Muppet Babies, how the like nanny sounds like wah, 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 wah. I wonder if that's how Mrs. Wingo kind of tunes the class out while they're supposed to be like working and can't tell where the noise is coming from, just hears noise and doesn't know what's being said. Because if she could, she would know that Patty wasn't doing anything. Yeah. And I mean, there's definitely been times where I've been kind of zoned out as a teacher but I feel like never – if the, something like this were happening, no. There's no way I'd be like, oh, it's clearly Patty's fault. <laughs> and let's talk about how they go to detention in the middle of class. Right. Like, just leave. Leave my classroom. Go to detention right now. Well, I did go to detention when I was in first grade, and it was – during class. That's so weird to me. It was that I was talking during the lunch announcements and I basically had to go straight to detention and color ducks. And then I was delivered back to my class and it was already like going. I don't think I ever got detention. It was a scarring experience. <laughs> I'm sure as a first grader, Jesus. For talking. Yeah. Well, I guess that's exactly why these people all went to detention too. <laughs> right. In Doug's fantasy, it feels like he's mixing up Godzilla and King Kong. Oh, yeah. I don't remember Godzilla climbing with, like, a woman to the top of some building. Well, Roger turns into Claudezilla, so that's definitely a Godzilla reference, but you're right. He basically otherwise is King Kong. Yeah, and I have a couple quotes from Doug when he's Quail Man. My favorite one, I may not be big, but I'm small. Yeah, I wrote that down, too. <laughs> And I possess the powers of a quail. Can we talk about what Quail Man looks like real quick? Please go ahead. So it basically is just Doug. He is wearing what he normally does, except for his shirt has a big Q on it. He's wearing his underwear outside of his pants and not in a like the pants that he's wearing. These like cargo shorts or whatever are like bulging out. Yeah, it looks ridiculous. And then obviously he has a belt on his head and that's his little like quail feather thing. Why a quail? I wish I knew, but it's okay. Because he's small. <laughs> yeah, apparently. And his powers are like patience, intelligence, and speed. I suggest unleashing the powers of the quail. Patience, intelligence, and speed. It's time for me to unleash the powers of the quail. Yeah, and he uses the power of the quail eye, which basically is to like hypnotize them so that they feel helpless and stupefied. So what I assume is he's just like staring at him like a crazy person, just like. <sighs> yeah, and he literally tries to do this in real life. 
Like, it makes sense for Quail Man, whatever. That's the power that he concocted for himself. But Doug does not have this power. But apparently it works because Roger's freaked it. Roger was too afraid to fight anyways. Yeah. <laughs> like, Roger talks a big game, but remember, he loves Doug. So he's not going to fight him. And then they say, that was great, Doug. You won without lifting a finger. Oh, man. Patty, like, props to her. She wasn't giving in. She's like, I'm not doing two book reports. It's yeah. not happening. <laughs> I always remember that part where Doug accidentally punches Roger in the nose and it does like that staggered frame as Roger reacts to it. Yeah, it's first of all, he doesn't even punch him in the nose. His fist is there and Roger turns into it. Yeah, he basically pokes him. I don't even think it's his fist because he's standing there like you will not do this or whatever. And he's pointing at him. But then, yeah, Roger turns into the finger with his nose. Yeah. That's Doug to the rescue. Yep. That's it. Yep. Quail man, mostly. Yeah. There is another Scrubs connection with Doug. I'm not surprised. I had to dig deep, though. This is <laughs> Disney Doug, not Nickelodeon Doug, unfortunately. I couldn't okay. find a good one for Nickelodeon Doug other than the JD is Doug thing. I mean, I think that's a pretty good one. I do, too. That's the one I was excited about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this one, Richard Kind. Richard Kind, do you know who he is? From Home Improvement? No, that's Richard Karn. Karn. <laughs> Richard Kind played Bobby in the Disney's Doug. He was in 31 episodes. In Scrubs, he plays Mr. Corman, the hypochondriac. He ends up getting like Turk's pager number and he like bothers him all the time. And he ends up in like messing with Dr. Cox when... Uh, they get like the full body scan machine and he wants to do a full body scan. He's just a hypochondriac. I, I think I can picture who he is. He was on Spin City. Was he on um, Mad About You? Yes. Okay. <laughs> he was Dr. Mark Devenow on Mad About okay, You. Okay. Yeah. I remember him from Mad About You. So he's my he's my Scrubs connection. I kind of liked the JD one better. Oh, me too. But I mean, this is an actual actor that was in both. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised that there aren't more crossovers, but I guess with cartoons like this, they have very specific pools of voice actors that they're using. Yeah, I, it's definitely the same people that kind of go across all the things. Yeah. Shall we move on to the third one? Yes. So the next one we're going to do is Doug Rocks, which is the second cartoon from season one, episode four, and it aired September 8th, 1991. And I feel like this is the one that you remembered the most. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I, I remember this one quite a bit because I really liked anything that had the beats in it. So. Well, I've got 30 seconds on the clock. Are you ready? I think so. <laughs> All right. Three, two, one. Doug and Skeeter are in Skeeter's bedroom and Skeeter's teaching Doug about the beats because he has no idea who they are. And eventually Doug becomes a huge beatnik and they find out from Roger that the beats are going to be playing in Bluffington that night. But tickets are somehow already sold out and Roger got the last two, but they win a contest on the radio and Skeeter then gets grounded because he is annoying his dad and so they miss the concert but then the beats show up outside the hunker burger time did i do it i think that you i think you got it in right at the end <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you get you always get caught up on like the fir- the opening scene from things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no matter what show. Well, I think it was important to say that Doug didn't know who the Beats were at all until Skeeter introduced him. Right. Yeah, no, I get it. Another example of Roger just showing up and being around them despite the fact that he doesn't like them and they don't like him. Yeah, and like he goes in Skeeter's room and is like not hanging out with them, but I mean he's spending time with them he's there while they're doing the radio contest right yeah he's hanging out with them and props good for them for breaking through and getting into the radio but you're right how how is this show sold out it's a surprise show that's happening that night yeah it's not like they had twitter right how would anyone find out no one would no (laughs) they didn't even have cell phones for people really like no no (laughs) No, this was 1991. They definitely did not have cell phones. (laughs) And why are the Beats, this world-famous band, playing in this small town? I have a feeling that BB's family has something to do with it, you know? Oh, yeah, that's right. They're, like, loaded, aren't they? Right. But the, the Beats were based on the Beatles, and one of them actually looks very similar to Ringo Starr. Yeah. The trivia questions... They answer are ridiculous. It's like, what is their fruit bat's pet name or like shit like that? And when Gigi Amici, Chichi Amici, Chap Lipman, after his gallbladder operation, had his picture on an album cover of Beats Me. It's like a microscopic picture. Yeah. So, so weird. And the name of their first single is I Sneezed on My Face. How did this band succeed? <laughs> I definitely remember Killer Tofu, though. Like, oh, yeah. 100%. I-U. Killer, Killer Tofu. Killer Tofu. E-I. Hey, good. What do you think, Monroe? Very nice. <gasps> it's the, 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 the beats. Oh, you've heard of us. I-U. Killer Tofu. Let's jump. Uh, This is the first episode that we saw the Dinks in, right? Yeah. He was playing Ludwig von von Beetgarden. (laughs) Yeah, he has this device that takes a CD's worth of music and condenses it into one extremely loud sound. Sounds like a beautiful thing. To save time. Yeah. If you just want to listen to a whole new album, just do that. (laughs) Yep. And then so Skeeter gets in trouble with his dad because he won't like stop drumming on the dining table, which Roger is eating with them as well. Roger. Yeah. Well, Roger knows how to play the parents. Yeah. Honestly, felt like Skeeter's dad was completely rational for this. I would have been like, no, dude, you're being so rude. Yeah, he's sitting there listening to headphones, drumming. He's, like, acknowledging his dad, but he's definitely being a total mosquito. (laughs) Well, he's got two friends over, and he's, like, not talking to them. (laughs) Was Stinky at dinner, too? I don't know if Stinky was at dinner, but he was definitely there at another point. And I'm pretty sure Roger was bringing Stinky to the concert. Wait, what? I'm pretty sure Roger was bringing Stinky to the concert. Oh, because he had two tickets. So him and Stinky. (laughs) Yeah. Seemed like it. Yeah. And then 
My favorite scene is obviously when Skeeter and Doug are outside the Honker Burger because they couldn't go to the show and the restaurant is empty because everyone else is at the show. I don't know how, but they're just out there like singing beat songs and then the beats tour bus drives up and they start jamming with the beats. Right. How did the beats beat everybody else to the Honker Burger? (laughs) Like the Honker Burger should have been busy because the concert's over. Yeah. And then as the beats are leaving, they toss them some tour jackets. Which these two nerds are like, oh, this is awesome. This is better than the concert. No, you didn't get to see any live music. Yeah. And even Porkchop gets a jacket. Yeah, which is really weird. (laughs) But Roger comes over and is like basically bragging about how he got to see the concert, even though he was in the last row and even with binoculars, couldn't actually see anything. (laughs) Which leads me to ask, how big is the concert venue in Bluffington? Right? There's like 100 kids at that school. Yeah. (laughs) Well... I think there's another episode where they do go to the concert. And for some reason, I remember the arena being very big, but I don't remember if it was actually in Bluffington or not. I do not either. (laughs) If you're feeling kind of cruddy, just stick right by your buddy. The Beats had some great hits. Something about cereal making your teeth bacterial. (laughs) Let's go to the last one. All right. So the last cartoon we watched is Doug's Dinner Date, which was from season two, episode four, and it aired October 4th, 1992. This is the one I remember the most from Doug. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Three, two, one, go. So Doug is having a fantasy where he's a knight and he's trying to win over Patty. And the final challenge is to eat liver and onions because Patty invites Doug over for dinner but also everybody else, including Roger, for some reason. Um, His mom cooks like five meals, it seems like, for everybody. One of them is liver and onions. He doesn't do it. They try and hypnotize Doug to see that he'll like it. He just tries to go and eat it everywhere else, and eventually he likes it. He goes over and fat, or fat Patty. Patty fucking owns him. She was joking, and they just have honkerbird dogs for dinner. Yep, it was a joke. All a joke. Which I was afraid of eating onions for so long because of this episode onions (laughs) yeah like i didn't like onions forever until oh you know what i mean i probably was the same way i don't remember eating onions very often at all until i was in my 20s and i've never to this day had liver i've had liver it's okay i mean i wouldn't go out of my way to eat liver and onions like why would i but yeah (laughs) also Why does this restaurant that he and his family go out to, he orders liver and onions, number 47 on the menu, and everyone's like, what? What? Why would a restaurant have something if they're like, someone's ordering that? (laughs) Maybe it's for people who are like elderly. I guess. Props to his mom for seemingly cooking like five different meals for everybody at that table. Right? Every She had like chicken and liver and onions and like different stuff for the dad and for Judy and for Skeeter. When Doug was like, I'm going to ask my mom to fix me some liver and onions for dinner. I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right. So you're going to make her go grocery shopping today and get you more shit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I want to know why Roger's invited to this party because seemingly, again, they all hate him. There were like 10 or so people there. And I want to know why... Patty's family has all of those lids for the plates. Oh, yeah. Why? Why do they have that many? And why were they over everything? Those like uh, warming 
lids so that things yeah. stay warm. Was she purposefully <laughs> trying to fuck with Doug that whole time? Like she's like, oh, he's gonna. We're just gonna have this over, and he's gonna think it's liver. He couldn't smell that it was a fucking honker dog. Yeah. <laughs> well, that seemed like something that would have happened at BB's house. I'm sure they have plenty of those things, but yeah, I don't know about Patty. Yeah, because I thought I don't know. I thought Patty's family was um, more impoverished, but I couldn't remember right. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, one of his fantasies is where he fights a liver dragon, which I think it was just a dragon. I don't know why it was called a liver dragon. Because it formed out of the liver that he was supposed to eat. Oh, I must have been writing notes at that point. <laughs> one of the things he turns to is Skeeter to hypnotize him, which Skeeter apparently is a good hypnotist. It works, kind of. He also turns to Judy, and she has him try to go into some method acting and become the liver and onions. Doug, if you want to understand liver and onions, you must become liver and onions. Start sizzling. Doug, if you want to understand liver and onions, you must become liver and onions. What are you talking about? And what are you doing? Ah! The floor is the frying pan. I am the onions and you are the liver. Start sizzling. And he also goes to Mr. Dink, who gives him taste be gone and then demonstrates it by throwing an entire case of anchovies in his mouth. Yeah. And they're like making his face look all like bumpy. Yeah, it's gross. His mouth was so full that you could like see the anchovies like bulging out of his skin. Yeah, it was super (laughs) gross. Another one of Mr. Dink's, I don't know, inventions or purchases, but yeah. But that's that. Oh, the other thing I want to say is, did you see that the the magazine they were reading was Tiger Beats? Oh, yeah. (laughs) That was a good one. Anyways, that's that. That was actually from Doug Rocks. I'm an idiot. That was a mistake. Oh, the magazine. Yeah. Got it. At the beginning of the episode, though, he apparently had to go get the Great Girdle of Gilgamesh was one of the things that Doug's knight was was doing. (laughs) Do you want to rank these in order of what you like the best to worst. Sure. Let's see. So of these four, I probably like Doug Rocks the best because it's one that I definitely remember. And the beats were, I think, one of the cooler parts of the show. Then I'm going to say Doug's Doodle, just because I feel like I got a lot of entertainment out of that, especially when he's trying to get Mrs. Wingo drunk. Then we'll go with Doug to the Rescue, the Quail Man episode. It didn't have as much in it as I remembered in my head. And then Doug's dinner date, which maybe it was because it was about liver and onions, which I didn't think looked appetizing every single time they showed it. And so I just wasn't as interested, I guess. I know we're going to have differing opinions on that. I mean, it's supposed to look bad. I know it's supposed to look bad, but I didn't even want to look at the cartoon of it. <laughs> so I, I agree with you that Doug Rocks was probably my favorite one just because all the beat stuff was ridiculous. My second one is Doug's Dinner Date just because it has such a strong memory from me. And I think it's hilarious that Patty pulled that one over on Doug and like yeah. no one else said anything. And yeah, good on her. Then Doug's Doodle was very entertaining. And Doug to the rescue would be my my fourth one of the four. Cool. 
So if we're going to rate the show overall, do you want to go first? Well, before we do that, I want to go over the rest of these conspiracy theories. Okay. I'm not going to go into all of them, but I'm going to at least read what they all are. Okay. So the first one that they have on here is that the Dinks lost a son around Doug's age, and that's why they're so interested in him. The second one is that Roger was abused as a child, which explains why he's a bully. Jeez. These are dark. Yeah. The third one is that the events of the show are all just a manifestation of Doug's imagined narrative and that he's just writing a story. He sure gave himself a boring character. Uh, Number four, people of color are the elite ruling class in the show. Okay. Doug and Patty are the only two white people in the show. I would even argue that Patty might not be. I would say Patty isn't white. Yeah. And... They are presented as having lower or working class lifestyles. Conversely, the purplish dink has grandiose political aspirations and spends lavishly, while Skeeter is a super genius. Is he? (laughs) Uh, Number five, Patty is a closeted lesbian. That just seems close-minded, I guess, because she likes sports and she's a tomboy. Yeah. Uh, We already said the JD from Scrubs one. Said the Roger has the hots for Doug one. Uh, The biggest one is that Doug is insane, that he has schizophrenia, and that that's why he acts out all of his daydreams and, like, gets into actual issues because he can't differentiate between the daydream and the real stuff. Yeah. Uh, There's one that says, Roger has rickets. Okay, I need this one to be a little bit more explained. (laughs) It doesn't really explain a lot, other than he's bow-legged, a symptom of rickets. Rickets is a vitamin D deficiency that results in the softening of bones, a possible explanation for why Roger's bow-legged. That's the end of that. Okay. (laughs) There's one that says, Doug was molested by Mr. Dink. Yikes. I'm going to read this one. Movie Pilot breaks down this fan theory by an unnamed author who views Doug through a dark lens. In the very first episode of Audience... Of Doug, audiences are introduced to Mr. Dink, Doug's eccentric neighbor, who upon meeting Doug immediately tries to get him to come into his house to watch a movie. Later in the episode, Dink is seen watching Doug from the bushes with a camera. He also lures Doug into his high-tech shed on numerous occasions. Most disturbingly, when Doug goes to scout camp, Dink is the scout leader and at one point, Doug and Skeeter find Mr. Dink naked in a tree. <laughs> the result of all this mental instability on the part of Doug manifesting either as schizophrenia or drug addiction is because of his abuse. Dang. Man, people really read into this show. Yeah. Theory number 11. There's only four more. (laughs) Doug ruined the world by being the first emo kid. (laughs) Uh, Number 12. Doug and his sister are drug addicts. The theory notes that Judy is borderline violent about keeping Doug out of her room. However, Doug sneaks into a room on numerous occasions. There's never a good explanation for it. The theory offers one, saying that Doug was trying to get to her stash of LSD, explaining all his daydreams and hallucinations, and Judy's anger is due to her fierce protection of both her secret and her supply. Wow. I can't say I agree with that one. No. Uh, Number 13, I think you'll like. Doug grows up to be Ted Mosby. (laughs) Except Ted has a younger sister. Doug gives into the lovelorn, sweater-vested, dweeby side of himself and becomes the lovelorn, sweater-vested, dweeby Ted Mosby. (laughs) And then number 14, the show is racist. Yeah. Does it say anything in particular about that that we haven't mentioned? Um, There's one group of people that are like, Patty is possibly the only white woman at that school, and she's the only one Doug likes. He must be racist. Statistically, it's improbable that she'd be the only person he likes. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think that she is actually white. 
her skin is a little bit darker. I mean, it's definitely not blue or purple or whatever the other colors of these students are, but. Right. But that's it. All right. That's all I got. Sh- should we go ahead and rate the show? Let's do it. All right. We're going to do this since we watched four separate things. So instead of rating each individual episode, this seems to make more sense. Do you want to go first? I would love to. I love Doug, or at least I loved it when I was a child. I don't know if I still would right now. Yeah. Looking at it, honestly, the episodes were, they didn't hold up for me as much as like Sabrina and Clarissa and all those other things. So while I was still entertained and I like the concept of it and everything, I'm just going to give this uh, 2.5 killer tofus out of five. All right. Yeah. Similar for me, which is kind of interesting because one of the things I read was that Jim Jenkins wanted the story to last. He wanted like in 30 years, which is now basically for these shows to still hold up and maybe they would for kids, but I think there's something lacking about it when you're an adult watching this, especially if the episode doesn't hold a lot of nostalgia for you. Like I 100% remembered all of these, but the ones that really stuck out for me as a kid, like the beats ones, I probably like more just because I had that strong connection already. So I agree that it is a little bit lower than I was expecting. I'm going to put it at three honker burgers out of five. That seems fair. Um, Next time we are going to do a movie, although we've been debating several different ones in my brain. And by we, I'm using that as the royal we. I was going to say, I have not been a part of these conversations. No. Uh, (laughs) Maybe I'm the schizophrenic one. It's fine. (laughs) so we'll have that movie figured out soon and in the meantime you can follow us on social media at tfgif podcast on both twitter and instagram you can send us oh we got an email (laughs) oh i was gonna say you can send us an email at tfgif podcast at gmail.com and we actually did get one so why don't i read it real quick do it all right so we got an email from sam He says, hi, Katie and Drew. I just found your podcast and cannot stop going down memory lane with all my childhood favorites. I have now shared your podcast with all my friends. In case you need some ideas for future episodes, would love to see. Salute your shorts. Hey, dude. The nanny. The golden girls. The Mickey Mouse Club. In parentheses. Brittany, Justin, Era, my brother and me, figure it out. I could probably go on and on. I'm such a 90s, 2000s TV fanatic. Keep up the great work, K&D. Thank you. So, yeah, lots of good ideas in there. Definitely some shows that I would love to talk about specifically. Salute your shorts. It was probably after it's so hard to rank all of these like Nickelodeon shows. I love them so much. Like, I don't even know how I would rank them, but it was definitely up there for me. I know that I watched it, but I don't remember anything about it. Well, we'll have to put that on the short list. Yeah, put it on. Come up in the next couple weeks, maybe. Yeah. And... It would also be great if people can give us a review on iTunes or wherever. Five stars would be amazing. There's also a website called podchaser.com, and you can review our show as a whole or even specific episodes. So you can find us on there as well. It's kind of a fun little podcasting social media community. So I think that wraps it up for Doug. And uh, until next time. Bye. Bye.